0: Howdy folks, welcome to A Green Way Forward. This is the live stream and podcast where we have weekly conversations about issues and events but through the specific lens of the four pillars of the international Green Party movement, peace, justice, democracy, and ecology. The specific intent of this program is to have strategic conversations on building nonviolent, independent, revolutionary political power through the Green Party electorally and also allied social movements. This program I am especially eager to have and this conversation I'm eager to have because we're joined by Chris Blankenthorn, who is on the National Steering Committee of the Green Party of the United States as well as serves in the leadership of the Young Greens Caucus. Chris Blankenthorne, welcome to A Green Way Forward.
1: Thanks for having me, David.
0: So Chris, before we jump into the substance of it, I'd love to know a little bit about you, the individual, you as a social, age, social change agent. Why do you do what you do? How did you get to where you are?
1: Um, well, so, so to start off, one of the things I, I often say is the most revolutionary thing I do is teach. Um, so you know, I'll start off there. I'm, I'm a Montessori educator. Um, I work in a school with three to six-year-olds. Um, so I, I work with y- very young children. Um, and when I say that, that's not to say that, um, you know, I'm, I'm in there indoctrinating your children because at three to six, you can't indoctrinate, you know, a child to become a socialist. That's how you end up with, you know, a hardline right wing libertarian out of rebellion. Um, you know, when I say that, I, I, I very much am talking about, you know, connecting with children, um, you know, and, and nurturing the just natural you know, humanitarian views that kids have. When you talk to kids about a lot of issues, um, you know, I, I talked to them about human rights recently, and we, my teacher's like, how are we going to talk to four to six-year-olds about human rights? We didn't have to. They got it. You know, the the idea that someone could be oppressed because of their religion, or that the government could put someone in jail for disagreeing them with them, and, at least for these, you know, affluent American children, was just something that was not even comprehensible. Um, You know, so when I start off, that's that's where I always start is I'm an educator. Um, Beyond that, um, you know, I've been an organizer for most of my adult life. Um, I've worked as a community organizer and a field director for community organizations. I've worked on campaigns. Um, As you said, I'm presently a national co-chair for the Green Party of the United States. Um, I'm also a vice chair in Illinois, and I'm the vice chair of the education committee for the Youth Caucus. Um, so for the last few years, I have geared very hard Green Party. Um, you know, it, it's the work that I've devoted to, myself to at this point. Um, but I I come out of a community organizing background.
0: So thank you so much, Chris. And as an educator, it doesn't surprise me at all with that you as one of the people on the leadership team of the Young Greens Caucus, are beginning to do political education calls where you're educating yourselves and bringing in experts. I want to give you a chance to talk about that a little bit.
1: Absolutely. Um, So we started last summer with our education call um, series. And we've consistently held, apart from where our call landed on Christmas, and there's nothing we can do about that, um, we've consistently had two calls a month. for about the last, I want to say, eight months or so. Um, We've covered things ranging from having Margaret Flowers on to talk about single payer to having um, Ajamu Baraka on to talk about anti-imperialism. Kind of on the topic of what we're talking about, um, Adrian Santoro, the Green Party of the United States political organizer, came on, and he talked about the emerging left-green movement in Europe um, and kind of contrasted it to the old-school um neoliberal German green model and how it's kind of waning. but right now we see you know a green prime Minister in Iceland who's a staunch socialist, um, heavy gains in Holland. in Denmark, the Green Party is actually the furthest left party in a coalition with the with the uh, revolutionary communists. Um, so there is this alternative left green movement um, that we had Adrian come on. And it all kind of comes down to this idea that, you know, often the youth are, are, I hate the term radicals, um, because what's radical? Um, But the youth are are, are usually more radical. And so the kind of the mindset behind, um, you know, our political education program is to push the ideals of the caucus. Um, And, you know, the Green Party has some great values. We've got a good foundation with the 10 key values and the four pillars. Um, The youth caucus just went even further when they did their bylaws and values and made it explicit. We are anti-capitalists, we are anti-oppression, we are anti-imperialism, we are anti-colonialism. Um, you know, when we put those out there real big. Um, you know, another one we've had something on is after the after the hurricane in Puerto Rico, we did one on disaster capitalism. And how when you're talking from the terms of capitalism, these disasters aren't necessarily disasters, they're profit opportunities. Um, you know, so we're using the the... Education program that we do every every two calls a month on to really push um, and have conversations around the green you know the youth caucus values and I think it's important when we talk about this too we bring in experts um, but we really want a conversation we want this to be a chance for you know young energetic up and coming organizers to bounce some ideas um, you know maybe you have this idea about single payer on campus that Margaret Flowers hasn't taught of yet you know that isn't really active and you've got this great idea but you're young and you're kind of a you know I hate to use the word an inexperienced organizer but you're learning and that validation from somebody like that when you say what about this and the market goes yes you know that can be something that's a huge thing for the youth so we don't just want them to be kind of using the banking model of giving us information we want to have a back-and-forth conversation where we're all learning and we can hopefully grow
0: together. Well, in that spirit, Chris, we always uh, invite uh, comments for those of you watching live uh, on live stream. So if you would like to ask Chris a question or make a comment, please do so. Uh, and, of course, we also know we have lots of people who are listening to the podcast after the fact. But for everyone, I want to encourage you to go to the website a greenwayforward.org. And sign up so that we can continue to alert you to both the live streams live, uh, give you a chance to see the video event after the fact, or sign up for the podcast. That's a greenwayforward.org. And with uh, a hat tip to Gil Scott Heron, we often say the revolution may not be televised, but it will be brought to you over sources of non-corporately filtered news information and analysis, like a Greenway Forward. And already, Chris, you've provoked several folks. Uh, Executive producer Michael O'Neill has fed me a couple of questions/slash comments that I'd like to get in. Uh, And first, uh, Lou writes in to ask, as an educator, what are your thoughts on the epidemic of school shootings, and particularly the idea to arm teachers?
1: So, as a teacher, I will never bring a gun into my school. As an individual. There's an ammo can right behind me. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm kind of a rare green. Um, I grew up in a very red, rural area. Um, when I grew up, going out and shooting was something you did. Um, and so I am absolutely against Army teachers. I, I did some math talking to a friend the other day, and the highest numbers I'm seeing, we're talking about something like a 0.2% chance a year that your school have a shooting. But with Trump's idea to arm 20% of teachers, we're talking about 500,000 guns in schools. 500,000 guns that every day could not be could just someone forgot to lock a cabinet, you know, that were accessible. The idea of adding that level of you know possible danger is not a substantive solution to this. And I think that's a, a big thing that we don't do in this country is we don't talk about substantive solutions. You know,
0: and uh, I'll just sort of add my observation that the cultural soup of toxic masculinity, overall violence, uh, and uh, a failure to address the mental health crisis uh, is creating sort of opportunities for this in ways that that actually have, uh, uh, that, that, that guns are just sort of almost secondary uh, to the deeper conversation. But Karen does, Karen writes in to ask, what do you think about licensing of gun ownership in the United States?
1: Um, I can say here in Illinois, um, we actually operate on a federal program. Um, so in Illinois, I have a FOID card. Um, you know, I am federally licensed to own a weapon. i totally in favor of that. I, you know, when I say I'm, you know, I, I grew up around guns, that doesn't mean that I think that willy-nilly we should have anything we want. Um, I think, you know, just to double down on what David said – it's, attack, it's kind of addressing a surface level issue. Um, I, I made a post on social media la, last week when during all the fur furor, and I said, if your solution to school violence doesn't include, why would someone want to shoot their peers? Like what kind of culture is happening in our schools that would lead to that? It's not a substantive solution. And I think we really need to focus in on something. Our schools are violent places. Our schools are violent for children every single day. And that doesn't mean that somebody hit them in in lunchroom. That means that they were bullied. That means that they were ostracized. We need to deal with this cultural thing that we have going in our schools. And the other solution I've heard about putting more cops in the schools, the cops are body slamming kids in schools. Cops are an escalation and compliance answer. And that's so, not the thing we need for our
0: schools. I'm so glad you brought that up, uh, Chris Blankenthorne, uh, because w- if you look at the Green Party's formal position uh, on uh, gun control and guns, uh, we start with a call to restrict police use of guns and all forms of control weapons, restraining weapons and methods such as pepper spray, tasers, stun guns, chokeholds, tight handcuffs, We know that they are greatly overused and we call for local and state legislation to greatly reduce and restrict the police possession and use of these kinds of methods and control. And we call for extensive background checks on the private sale of firearms, eliminating the the gun show loophole that permits the sale of weapons without uh, background checks uh, and a call to protect victim rights. So I think it's important that we actually recognize Uh, that the the reality is that the police are a great source uh, of violence uh, and gun violence in this country as well. Uh, James writes in uh, to ask, have y'all considered teaming up with Jared and Elizabeth Beck to mount a legal attack that would force an opening to allow the Green Party candidate to appear in the nationally televised debates? And then says, thanks for all you do. So Chris, as a, a member of the Steering Committee of the Green Party of the United States, I'm wondering if you know the names Jared and Elizabeth Beck and their legal challenge trying to open up the nationally televised debates.
1: I do not, but I know that we are constantly engaged in, le- in legal struggles to get into the debates.
0: As And so what I would ask, and, and, and uh, I know that that's true, and thanks for the leadership that the Green Party Steering Committee provides, uh, and would actually tell you, James, if you would write privately to a uh or me personally, davidkcobb at gmail.com, uh, with, uh, with this information, I will do my best to sort of vet it as a, as a lawyer and see if I can make sure to get it either to the right to the right person, because sometimes it it would be the Green Party's political party, sometimes it would be candidates. So if you'll send me that information, I'll follow up with it. A related question, uh, Marsha writes in to ask, uh, is the Green Party working with the effort to create an umbrella coalition of progressive grassroots movement with a movement for a people's party? Uh, Chris?
1: Um, I can say that we've had people involved in those conversations. Um, at this point, it's a discussion to, to talk about discussing starting something, <laughs> um, you know, and, that, and I think it's really important that we're clear that that's the phase that this is in, um, especially with the way that it has kind of been, um, you know, publicly projected um, by other people involved in the conversation where we've had to kind of go, whoa, 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 there's no coalition to even be a member of, you know, so when, so yes, We've been having those conversations, and I have gotta say we always are looking um, you know, for potential allies. Last weekend, um, the Young Greens of the United States sent, or now officially the Young Socialists, but that's a transition, the Young Equal Socialists, but that's a transition. Um, we sent people to the Young DSA Conference um, to talk to them because the DSA is not a political party. They're a political organization, and they need an outlet, and we have to offer an outlet that's not the Democrats. Um, so, especially in the Youth Caucus, but throughout the party, we're trying to make those connections. Um, and they're all at kind of various levels of you know, functionality.
0: Folks, you're watching and or listening to A Green Way Forward. I'm your host, David Cobb. This is the weekly program where we look at issues and events specifically through the lens of the four pillars of the International Green Party movement. Peace justice, democracy, and ecology. I'm speaking with Chris Blankenthorn, who serves on the National Green Party of the United States on our steering committee. Uh, And he also serves on the leadership team of the Young Greens Caucus, which I have just learned is transitioning uh, to the Young Socialist Greens. Uh, So that is a beautiful segue for me, Chris, uh, into the uh, fact that the Green Party at the last national convention passed a platform plank that I'm proud to have had a role in helping to author along with Richard Wolf, Gloria Matera, Ben Mansky, uh, what we termed loosely an eco-socialist plank, but uh, it is formally under the eco- ecological uh, economics uh, section. Uh, and in a nutshell, uh, I'd love to actually just sort of go over very quickly uh The the three core uh, paragraphs and get you to reflect on each one of them. Uh, The first, the Green Party seeks to build an alternative economic system based on ecology and decentralization of power as an alternative that rejects both the capitalist system that maintains private ownership over almost all production, as well as the state socialist system that assumes control over industries without democratic local decision making. We believe that the old models of capitalism, which is the private ownership of production, and state socialism, the state ownership of production, are not ecologically sound, socially just, or democratic, and that both contain built-in structures that advance injustices. Could you uh, just react or reflect on that?
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, and so I think that's a really good – and I think it's important to understand that 835 is kind of a step into this. Uh, you know, there's a lot of cleaning up of the platform that would need to have that needs to happen. There's a lot of elaboration. and There's a lot of internal discovery and discussion that has to happen. Um, but we're keeping in, we're you know, we're starting from the foundation of the ten key values, which is important. Um, you know, ecology and decentralization. Um, you know, I, I think in this party we have a problem where decentralization kind of manifests into whatever you want. Um, Where in reality, decentralization is heavily about respect and accountability, Um, you know, but so we're starting in the right place. I think it's also incredibly important that the fact that you said we reject both capitalism and state socialism, and that kind of brings me to so there's this motto that's that floats around the Green Party, and I'm not sure that many people have actually read where it comes from, but it's not left, not right, forward. Um, you know, it comes from Petra Kelly, and it's usually meant, it's usually used to say, you know, we're not socialists, but you have to take in the context of the time. When Petra Kelly wrote that in Germany, socialist was the Soviet Union. I, I've kind of twisted it, and I've started saying not left, or not top left, not right, bottom left. You know, we, we're, we're talking about something different. We're talking about a democratic bottom-up grassroots thing.
0: You know, and one of the things that I really want to really assert uh, and name that from my perspective, it's really important that we just uh, come to term with the reality that the system known as capitalism is absolutely incompatible with either the concept of democracy or ecological sustainability. The other thing that I, uh, since you did mention Petra Kelly, uh, uh, Michael O'Neill, executive producer, reminds me that she was also specifically talking about East Germany in that context. And, of yep. course, the totalitarianism associated uh, with that. Um, so you, oh, go ahead.
1: When you So when you just talked about, you know, the compatibility, I think that's a super important thing that Greens talk about when we talk about eco-socialism. The 10 key values are not compatible with capitalism. It can't live up to almost any of them and the ones that it can we're doing some gymnastics to make it
0: Um, (laughs) i I certainly agree with that so when i look
1: uh, when i look at the 10 key values and people say you know all of a sudden we're a socialist party no 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 We've always been a socialist party. We just became a little more open about
0: it. Right. You know, and one of the things that I've noticed, Chris, is that for some people, the word socialism, it just seems scary and it sort of shuts down discussion. So sometimes I invite people to think, think about economic democracy. Think about the ability to democratically control the economic decisions You know, that if if you have, quote, political democracy where people get to vote, but all of the decisions about how goods and services are produced and distributed are still in the private hands of a small oligarchy, then you only have like a Disneyland version of democracy. You have a a show democracy, Uh, which leads me into the second paragraph. And I do want to remind folks, this is the national platform of the Green Party of the United States. Uh, there was a vote amongst the leadership to even propose it at the convention. That vote passed overwhelmingly. Then it went to the convention that nominated Jill Stein and Ajamu Baraka, where it passed unanimously. The next paragraph reads Greens will build an economy based on large scale green public works and municipalization and workplace and community democracy. Some call this decentralized system ecological socialism or communalism or the cooperative commonwealth. But whatever the terminology, we Greens believe it will help end labor exploitation, environmental exploitation, and racial, gender, and wealth inequality, and help to bring about economic and social justice due to the positive effects of democratic decision-making. Again, I'll ask you to react and respond to that paragraph.
1: Absolutely. And so, so one thing I really love that Jill did was that she used the word transformative a lot. Um, you know, I, I, I grimace every time I hear someone say the word revolution when they're talking about electoral politics at the Green Party. It's We're voting for someone. It's reformism. I'm really honest about this part of my work. Um, you know, it's, I have an anarcho-syndicalist flag behind me, you know, but when I work in the Green Party, it's an electoral thing. And so I think it's really important that we understand the role of the party in something like this. Um, you know, what we're talking about is something that is really hard for people to even envision. And there's going to be a lot of precarity and there's going to be a lot of steps and missteps along the way. And so I think when we're talking about this, Jill's word of trans, of transformative politics is really important. You know, I'll, I'll get really Marxist for a second. The Green Party wants to be the withering state. You know, we wanna help transition to this more grassroots thing that really isn't comparable to what we have now. Um, you know, it, 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 is a, it is a transformative change we're talking about, not just passing some laws and changing the tax code. Though so that's gonna be part of it, part of the transition.
0: Folks, you're watching and or listening to A Green Way Forward. I'm your host, David Cobb. We're speaking with Green Party leader, Chris Blankenthorn. I want to remind you that the only reason that this message is getting out is because you, the viewer listener, are helping to make it happen. If you're watching live on Facebook, please share this stream uh, in your own groups, on your own wall. Let's build a movement and build an audience for these kinds of important conversations. And all of you, I'll ask to go to the website a greenwayforward.org and sign up so we can keep you abreast of the different information that's coming in. And give us feedback. I want to give a special thank you to both Dietra Cohen and Doris Schwartz who provided very constructive feedback. Doris, thank you. For the as a deaf person, letting us know how important it is that we double down our efforts to use closed captioning, and Dietra Cohen uh, for your suggestion on the use of different language. I want to jump in. Uh, Michael R. writes in that says, capitalism corrupts democracy towards plutocracy. That effect screws the poor and the environment. Uh, and I want to make sure to get in the last paragraph of the platform and get your response, Chris, and that is, quote, Production is best for people and planet when democratically owned and operated by those who do the work and those who, most affected by production decision. This model of worker and community empowerment will ensure that decisions that greatly affect our lives are made in the interest of our communities, not at the whim of centralized power structures our state administrators or capitalist CEOs. Small democratically run en- enterprises when embodied or embedded in and accountable to our communities will make more ecologically sound decisions. In other words, the Green New Deal. Chris, uh, any thoughts or reflections on that paragraph?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so, I, you know, we can all look at how capitalism's doing environmentally. Not great, we live it. Um, for a lot of my generation in particular, the old left, the state socialist left, um, is this kind of mythical ghost. It, it, you know, I, I was alive during it, but it, it, you know, the Soviet Union collapsed when I was six. Um, for many of our caucus members, they've never been alive during the Soviet Union. Um, you know, by the time I started critically engaging in politics, China was already handily capitalist. Um, you know, so I think that's important, but I think it's really important that we, dis- that we kind of distance ourselves from it the state does not have a good, a good history through those, through those models of protecting the environment. Um, it's very much been about the opposite. It's about ramping up production and catching up. Um, and I think that a big part of that is, and where we're different and how we're kind of change, trying to change the, change the mold is that that, like capitalism, the state model is still based on domination. It's still based on a hierarchical system that where are the elites, and the state itself, the society, dominates the environment around it as opposed to a bottom-up view, um, You know, the more grassroots ecological socialist view um, of being part of and in harmony with as best as we can. We're always going to probably do some damage. Right so,
0: um, so I really appreciate uh, really sort of drilling down uh, on this idea. I, I mean, I really think... For me it's it's very clear that you cannot actually have democracy the uh, demos the people crouch your ruler have power the people cannot have power in any system that is power over dominator style we've got to begin to think about our economics and our politics in a cooperative more horizontal power with dynamic. And honestly, folks, I just don't think it is possible to reform capitalism to make it uh, democratic. I mean, there was a time, uh, perhaps, when the US as the capital of empire was able to steal enough resources for the rest of the world to sort of buy off the working class with, you know, bass boats and, you know, some some goods and services. Uh, but those days are over we're going to have to actually come to terms with the kind of rampant consumerism that is literally destroying the planet and shift to a completely new way of being.
1: Absolutely.
0: So uh, Chris, it's this time has absolutely just flown by. Uh, I do want to give you plenty of time to tell us uh, a little bit more about uh, the young eco-socialist or the yes uh, caucus, uh, and also anything that you'd like to to conclude with in terms of the steering committee. So please please take the time uh, in your closing thoughts to cover both the young eco-socialist and the national steering committee.
1: Yeah, um, I'm also an Illinois vice chair because Greens can't have enough hats, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know. When I do my work in the caucus, um, I have to be honest; it's the most invigorating work that I do in the party, um, and that's not surprising. It's the youth; we've got all kinds of energy, um, you know. But I really can't say enough, um, you know. Especially since we're here talking about socialism, this is a place that's not like the rest of the left where I've existed. You know, we do work; we're really pushing toward this goal. We've got, uh, you know, a strong Anti-capitalist, anti-imperialist, anti-colonial, anti-oppression standard that we that we set when we start, um, and we don't see the sectarian infighting that I see a lot of other places. It's it's beautiful, um, you know, and so that's amazing. We've been running this education program. It's really the only education program that's happening in the party um, nationally right now. Um, but we are actually about to partner with. Um, the Outreach Committee, the Women's Caucus, the Black Caucus, I think of other, a, few, a few other, and we're going to do a three-part uh, Boycott, Divestment, and Sanctions series starting on March 16th with Nico Pellet. Um, so we are kind of, and that's, kinda, that's been the hope and, and the goal of the Youth Caucus since we really kicked it into high gear last summer. Um, you know, we had about 40 people at a meeting at the annual national meeting, and people said, what are you doing? We said, we're taking over this party you can get on board or you can watch us go by, but the youth are here and we're moving, um, you know, and so it, it's really good to see that, you know, we started an education, pro- a political education program, and now we're seeing it filter out into the party. Um, so we're, we're we're kind of trying to beta test a lot of these ideas that we think will work and that we think will help bring in new people, um, you know, that to really push the party. Um, you know, and in terms of nationally, um, we're about to have a new steering committee election. Um, so that'll be fun. That'll shake things up. Elections are never fun, um, but that'll shake things up. Um, you know, we're really getting ready to, this is a tough year for the party, you know, in in terms of our capacity and, and all of that. So we're, we're going into a strategic planning session. 2020 is going to be a really hard year to be a green. We are really going to face anyone but Trump. Um, and, I, you know, I'm, I'm, constantly of the opinion we're spoilers it's why we exist because we spoil to win that's how you get there um so we're really going to have to kind of own this opposition title that we want um you know so that that's for me looking forward a good 2018 and really building towards a you know a, a really oppositional 2020.
0: Well, Chris, thanks so much. Uh, And before you break away, I do want to say Jenna wrote in to ask, please suggest some reading material for people who have been supportive of the Green Party, but are ready to get more active. Periodicals, books, websites, all of it. So I'm going to invite you uh, to give a few. I'll give a few myself. One that I would recommend is called Green Horizon Magazine. Uh, uh, edited by one of the co-founders of the National Green Party Movement, John Rensenbrink, and his colleague, Steve Welzer. I also want to plug executive producer Michael O'Neill of the Green Party of New York State has a live stream called how greens get things done that's available on the green party of new york state facebook page you can also go to school for the number four rev rev that's the movement school for revolutionaries that melicia figueroa and i do and chris i'm wondering if there are any sites and we'll make sure to drop these into the comments uh session but if there are any either books periodicals or websites you'd like to to recommend
1: um, yeah, absolutely. Um, so the first thing that came to mind was a ma- was, is a magazine series called Roar. It's out of, um, I believe, Hungary. Um, but it's uh, reflections on a revolution. And they do a lot of really good bottom left stuff. Like here's how the Zapatistas run an education program from the bottom up in their Oh, and by
0: the way, the Zapatistas, something that somebody of my generation could not have even conceived of, are actually engaging in the Mexican elections now. Things yep. are changing.
1: Yep. Um, so I think there's going to be eight total issues. They just announced. Them, I'm a subscriber, and they just announced that they're going to stop after this next year. But um, Roar, R O A R, Reflections on a Revolution has a lot of really good stuff. Every every issue is themed. Um, so talking about you know the worker, talking about the commune, talking about things like that. Um, you know, if you're a green, read some book Jen. <laughs> if you want to, you know, it, it's important. That, that's that's the as the as a socialist in the party, Bookchin is one of the people that gets thrown at me that we aren't socialists, we're municipalists. Read some Bookchin, read some Marx. Um, come on the youth caucus calls. We get really deep into the, into the mud on a lot of this stuff. And you know, here with David, we're, we're limited to a half an hour program. Those calls we've gone three and a half hours before because people just wanted to talk.
0: And I want to also uh, invite executive producer Michael O'Neill. I mentioned him earlier, but uh, I know that Michael, as a Green Party organizer and staffer uh, who hosts How Greens Get Things Done, also has a suggestion. So, Michael O'Neill, your mic is live. Can Can you share with us some of the things that you wanted to recommend? As you said, I never pass up an opportunity to plug Jane McAlevey, and that's actually my most recent episode of How Greens Get Things Done, was talking about a concept from a, a recent talk she gave to some trade unionists in Winnipeg. And what I love about Jane McAlevey is she talks about how to organize to win, and while she focuses mostly on trade union um, work, it is broadly applicable to work outside of that. And so there's, she's got all kinds of lectures on YouTube, and she's got two books out. So thanks for that opportunity. You betcha. And folks, I want to thank you, the viewer, listener, for participating in this experience. Remember, go to the website agreenwayforward.org and sign up. We know that uh, our audience is growing. Uh, and it's growing because you are participating, making comments on Facebook Live uh, during the live stream, but also sharing it and also sharing the podcast. We're very excited uh, that we're beginning to use our podcast. Uh, I also want to invite you to make sure to tune in next week where we'll be. the topic will be Burners Gone Green, where two young greens are going to be joining us. And Angelica Duenas and Eric Rydberg, both of whom are active participants in the Young Greens Caucus. I want to conclude with a thank you to Michael O'Neill, executive producer, uh, Chris Blankenthorn, our guest, and you, the viewer. Peace.